many people who call themselves Christians only experience, they're only experienced with the body of Christ. The, the community of believers happens one hour a week, whether they're sitting in rows or they're sitting in a chair in their house. Other than that, most Christians have, have very little experience with the body of Christ. To limit our experience with the church to just corporate worship or just listening to a sermon, we are failing to live in obedience to who Jesus calls us and, and commands us to be. If our only experience of, as followers of Jesus with other believers happens in rows and not in smaller communities— then we cannot grow fully as disciples of Jesus. Why? If our only experience as followers of Jesus with other believers is sitting in rows next to them, then we cannot fully grow and develop as disciples of Jesus. In the New Testament, there are 59 commands, imperatives that, that hold this two-word phrase in them. That two-word phrase is one another. These one another commands or imperatives come from a singular Greek word, alelone. The word alelone is what is known as a reciprocal pronoun. That means it is describing something that can only be done through mutual exchange between different persons. In other words, in order for me to obey these commands, I have to be living life with someone else. I have to be living in a community. I have to be experiencing the body of Christ in something more than just sitting in rows or listening to a sermon. Did you know that? That there are, there are things actually that you cannot obey in the Bible unless you are in relationship with other people. We need others. We need relationships with fellow church members in order to fulfill the commands of Jesus and to grow in the character of Christ that we are called to grow in. That's why at our church here locally where I'm at, at the Spencerville Seventh Avenue Church, we have the vision that that every member and every person connected to the Spencerville Church, that may include you who are from far away online. We want to connect you to an online group if possible. But, but every single person is connected to other believers in what we're calling our connect groups. These groups can happen through Zoom or in person, or they can be a hybrid of each. Connecting with Jesus is the goal of these groups, and connecting with one another. In fact, we connect with Jesus as we connect with one another, and we connect with one another as we connect with Jesus, through support, through study, through encouragement, through prayer. Now, I mentioned last week, if you happen to watch it, that the need for these groups exists to help us to be true disciples, and we base this off of those 59 one another commands found in the New Testament. These 59 commands I've divided up into four groups. 15% of them address growing in humility. They're, they're ideas, they're, they're commands that Jesus gave to us, that Paul gave to us, that Peter gave to us to help us grow in humility. We talked about that last week. A third of the commands address 
Christian love, which we're going to talk about a week from now. And a third of these commands address Christian unity, which we will talk about today. And then there's a fourth group of one another commands that make up a smorgasbord of ideas of how we should or should not relate to one another. In the sermon notes that I mentioned earlier that you can pull up from the link, I have listed for you the verses that help us to grow in, humil- in unity. In unity, You can take a quick look at those. It's easy to see that these cannot be fulfilled by us sitting in rows. Only as we move from the larger gathering or from the isolated gathering into smaller, more connected gatherings can these be truly fulfilled. Look at instance for the last one on that list. It comes from my wife's favorite book of the Bible and Martin Luther, the German reformer's least favorite book of the Bible, James. James chapter 5 and verse 16. In this one another command, there are actually two one another commands in this one verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. This verse, whether you realize it or not, is a verse that helps us to become more united in the body of Christ. You know where most people are uncomfortable confessing their sins? In front of everybody. You know where people are really uncomfortable confessing their sins? In front of a large group of people that they don't know and they're not sure that they trust. But as we grow in smaller communities, in, 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 in relationships with a few other believers within the body of Christ, we begin to build trust and we begin to, to grow with that person. And as we trust them, we're willing to say to them, I'm struggling with this. And, and, and they're willing to say to us, I'm struggling with this. And we realize that we're not alone, that we're all in this journey together. This begins to build unity. This begins to build unity. When, when I see you not as just some far off sinner, but I see you as just another person like me struggling with sin, we grow in unity. And then the second part of that is that we pray for one another. Did you know it's, it's hard not to have your heart more united to someone when you pray for them? You know, when I'm being a louse as a husband, when I'm messing things up as a husband, I don't pray that my wife will be different. I pray, Lord, change my heart. And what I find is then I begin to become more united to my wife just by me praying for God to change my heart. Or I'll begin to pray for my wife, Lord, bless her, help her, strengthen her, use me to help her. And as I pray for her, my heart becomes more united to her. It happens in marriage, but it also happens within the body of Christ. Many times when when I've started to feel frustration with specific people within the body of Christ, I, I try to turn my heart towards praying for them. And it begins to unite my heart towards theirs. So we confess. We recognize we're all in this together. That builds unity. We pray for one another. That builds unity. We need unity in the body of Christ. But I want to go back and I want to lay the groundwork for why unity is so important in the body of Christ. The one another texts are there to help us build unity. We have to be in relationship with other people. This cannot happen if our only experience with the body of Christ is sitting in rows or listening to a sermon or attending a church one hour a week. 
We need something more. But the framework for why we need unity is so important in the body of Christ, the church. And I want us to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now, now, the temptation could be, or maybe not temptation, but, but the way we look at this sometimes could be merely from a physical perspective. And of course, when God made us, He cares about the physical aspects of us. He cares about our physical natures. The Bible says that, that God created them. Male and female, He created them. So, so our identities as males and females, God made that special and unique to each person as they come along. But, but, but this text here is, is more than just about physical nature. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice that the verse says us and our, our. This is not speaking of us being made simply as physical representations of God. This is speaking of the Trinity. The us and the our represent the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Rather than this text speaking only about physical attributes, it might be better seen as to speaking of us being image bearers of the Trinity, which means that we are to function as the Trinity functions in cooperative unity with one another. Just as the Trinity operates in unity, as image bearers of one another. We should also operate in unity so that we become truly image bearers of Christ and of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. Think about the, the, the text in, in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14 and verse 23, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my words, and he tells us what words those are, those words that he spoke while he was on this earth, those words that are written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those, those testimonies of what Jesus said as he walked amongst humanity. And Jesus said, though, in that text in John chapter 14, he said, what I have spoken, I have not spoken of my own, but I've spoken what the Father told me to speak. And then in John chapter 16, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come and will lead you into all truth, but he will not be speaking of his own. He will speak what I have told him to speak. In other words, the Father speaks to Jesus and Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit. And, and there's this cooperative, unified function amongst all of them. They're united with one another. Jesus calls us, the body of Christ, to be image bearers of him. How can we be image bearers if we're not united with other believers functioning with them? You know, the, the, we get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We get baptized into a church of believers in, under the banner and the name of our Savior and the Father and the Holy Spirit. But, but how often could the world look at us and say, oh, you're a Christian, then why aren't you connected to one another? Why are you all so at odds? We need to be growing, more connected in smaller groups, connect groups. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, so that's the foundation of how we were made. We were made to be united. But, but we were also made for a mission 
And that comes through unity as well. Listen to this. Jesus, in John chapter 17, he prayed for his small group. Do you remember his small group? The disciples and, and, and the ladies that were following him as well. And Jesus prayed over them a very united prayer, a prayer of unity. John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. The glory, this is Jesus praying, the glory that you, speaking of the Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Jesus says, God, you and I are one. And I'm praying now that, that the disciples may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become one, perfectly one. The, the result of being connected truly to Jesus is that we act and function and exist in unity. So our foundation our, our making to be image bearers of Christ is to be done so through unity with one another. But, but we were also given a mission. And that mission is also created and most fulfilled in unity. Do you remember in John chapter 17 of the Bible, Jesus prayed for his disciples and he had this beautiful prayer for his disciples, that they would glorify the Father and be kept safe as they were in this world. And then Jesus expands this prayer, not only to his disciples, but to, to all of us, to all who would believe in the name of Jesus because of the testimony of the disciples. And in John chapter 17, as Jesus expands that prayer in John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23, here's what Jesus prayed. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, this is Jesus speaking of the whole world, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. This was Jesus' prayer for us, that we would be united, that we would be joined together, that we would be uh, in community with one another, that we would be living out the one another text with each other. But there was another reason why Jesus wanted us to be united. And what is that? Well, the result of being united is this. The second part of verse 23 in John chapter 17. Why do I pray for them to be united? Jesus is saying, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The world believes our testimony about who Jesus is and that he loves humanity based on our unity. I pray that they will be one, that they will be perfectly one together. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Why can I not witness the way that I should? Why do I not see any growth in, growth in my church? Maybe it's because we're not coming together in a united fashion. That can't happen in a church that I'm a part of, a church of over 2,000 members. That, that can't happen with 2,000 people. But, but it happens as we get together with smaller groups within the church body. The world believes our testimony about who Jesus is and his love for humanity as they look and see our unity. This leads us to the appeal of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is a giant book about unity. Unity with, between us and Christ and unity between 
fellow believers. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and then listen to this, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the body, in the bond of peace. I urge you to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Our foundation, we are made in the image of a united Godhead to be image bearers of that unity that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus prays for our unity because, because as the world sees that we as believers in Jesus Christ are united, the witness for Jesus is stronger. So I ask you, how eager are you to maintain the unity? How eager are you to have unity in the body of Christ? These one another texts, these one third of the one another texts that, that give us lessons, instructions, commands on how to relate to one another these texts help us to grow in unity and we cannot fulfill these commands on our own. And what I believe is that unity grows in circles, not in rows of a church, not by simply listening to a preacher. Unity grows in circles as small groups of believers come together to support, to pray, to encourage, and to serve with one another another. Now I want to tell you something crazy about this. It's crazy, but it's not crazy at all. We all understand that the human body becomes healthier when the cells inside that body are healthy. So when the smallest levels in our body are healthy and strong, then the rest of us becomes more healthy as well. It's the same way as, as we form smaller groups within the body of Christ and those groups become healthy, the larger body becomes healthier as well. Blake Coffey, someone who has worked with churches for years and years, helping them to overcome conflict and struggles and, and, and decline within their churches. He reports that, that almost all of the conflicted churches that he have he has served over decades of ministry. Almost every single one of them has lacked either a significant small group ministry or a Sunday school, or in my church affiliation, we'd say Sabbath school ministry. He writes this, there is a direct relationship between small group ministries and church unity a direct relationship between small group ministries and church unity. You know, something that seems antithetical to the pastoral mind, but is so true. When pastors release control of pastoral care and smaller groups of people begin to care for one another, the church is strengthened and it grows. When pastors release the power to do service in the community and witness in the community to smaller groups of members within the church, the church grows and becomes healthier. 
when evangelism is not done by a preacher standing on a stage, but, but by smaller groups of members gathered together and then going out and witnessing to their friends as a community, as a group, the church grows and becomes more healthy. When Bible studies are led by, by small groups of believers rather than just one person, the pastor, the church grows and is healthy. Here's the thing. When we become healthier in smaller communities, we become stronger as a larger body. When we become healthier in smaller communities, we actually become more united. When we become healthier as smaller communities, we can actually achieve larger initiatives as a corporate body. Let me give you an example. There was an article I read in the New York Times. It was from a few years back. And this article was talking about a church that decided that they needed to get healthy. And the healthiness I'm talking about is not a spiritual health per se, although this is, of course, related but it was talking about physical health. The pastor said he was baptizing a number of people in this church, and something he noticed was that, that either he was getting weaker or people were getting heavier. And he said one day he looked as he was baptizing people, and he noticed that, that everybody he was baptizing was a little bit on the overweight side. And he decided, you know what? We need to get healthy. And so he created this plan called the Daniel Plan, something we in the Seventh Adventist Church have referred to as the health message. And he said, we need to get all of our church to embrace this plan. And we need to get their neighborhoods and their friends to embrace this plan as well. God wants us to be healthy, mind, body, and spirit. And he said, we've neglected the body, the physical body. We need to get healthier. And so they were wondering, how on earth can we get more and more people to buy into this health initiative. And then they thought, we have a lot of small groups at this church. Let's work through our small groups. And so they did that. And in these smaller communities, people encouraged one another. In these smaller groups, people encouraged one another within the church. And you know what the result was? 14,000 people signed up to participate in this health message initiative. Dr. Hyman is quoted in the New York Times saying this, the most important ingredient in the cure of our bodies is the healing power of the group. Listen to the results of what happened in this church and the surrounding communities. Of the 14,000 people that signed up, 72% of them lost weight. Participants reported more energy, better sleep, improvements in their cholesterol levels or blood pressure and other advances. Dozens of people accomplished dramatic weight loss, 150 pound losses in some cases. The number one cause for success of this major initiative in this church, the author of the, the, author of the article in New York Times writes, was the very first point of the Daniel plan. To do it connected to others. When we're connected to others, big things can happen. When we're connected to others in smaller communities, huge initiatives can take place in the larger body. 
D. Eastman, who helped spearhead this initiative at the church, states, we know that there's a 50% better chance of sustaining long-term lifestyle change if you do it in a smaller community. Those who had the support of a small group lost on average 6.8 pounds more than those who are trying to do the plan on their own. A church united, accomplishing something together, but in small communities, small companies, as Ellen White calls them, life groups, as some places call them, small uh, uh, grow groups, as is stated up at Dwight Nelson's church at Pioneer Memorial Church. Connect groups, as we are calling them here at Spencerville Church. Unity. We cannot have it without living in relationship with one another. And this happens in circles, not in isolation, and not sitting in rows just one day a week. Folks, today, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, will you do me a favor? Will you pray right now for God to give you the desire, to give you the initiative, to give you the motivation to gather around you four or five or six or seven or 10 or 12 other people and form a group to study together, to pray together, to encourage one another, to eat together, to enjoy life together, and watch as you become united, how you begin to bless the larger body of Christ as well. Our foundation is image bearers of the united Godhead. Our mission is impacted by the unity that we have in the body of Christ. Let us be eager to maintain our unity. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. We can't understand all the ins and outs of why you made us and how you made us. We know you made us because you love us, but, but how you made us. But, but you made us after your image. And God, you've never chosen isolation. You've always existed within the Godhead. You've been surrounded by the angels, by the beings of other universes. And, and here on earth, we are. And as we become more fractured and more isolated and more independent, your word, the Holy Bible speaks to us and tells us, be eager to be united to maintain unity with one another. Lord, help us and give us the faith and the courage to step into those maybe uncomfortable zones with one another so that we can grow in unity and so that the world will know truly who Jesus is and that he loves them. We thank you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.